0: This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're shining a spotlight on a national trend of hospitals scaling back their obstetric services, a cost-saving measure planned in the Capital region for birth centers scheduled to close at the end of the year. The proposed closure of the Burdette Birth Center has prompted a local backlash and even led the state attorney general to conduct a public hearing in September. To discuss what's happening in Rensselaer County, as well as the broader ramifications, we're joined by Jessica Hayek, a doula and organizer with the Save Burdette Birth Center Coalition. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thanks for having me. And also with us is Assemblymember John McDonald, a Capital Region Democrat whose district includes the birth center. Welcome back to the show, Assemblymember. Always a pleasure, David. So, Jessica, can you talk a little bit about the services provided by the Burdett Birth Center?
1: Uh, Burdett Birth Center provides a very unique model of care. It's a collaborative model of care between midwives and obstetricians at, at the facility. And that model of care we know from evidence uh, that that people who who birth in these um, collaborative facilities, their outcomes are better. There's lower C-section rates. There is lower maternal and infant mortality and morbidity rates. Um, and overall satisfaction with birth experience. The numbers speak for themselves. Uh, The the midwives over at Burdett Birth Center, their C-section rates for 2022 were 8.9% total C-section rate. The total for um, all of Burdette Birth Center is 15%. And just to give some context, the national number uh, for C-section rates are 25.6%. New York State is at 28.9%. So it's, you know, that the numbers support this model of care. Um, people can have a water birth at Burdette. You, um, you can have a water birth, but you can also have a cesarean section if you need it. So it makes this model of care very unique.
0: And who does this birth center service? Is it just people in the community? Or are there commonalities amongst the people who turn to this birth center for services?
1: because of the wide range of services that are provided at Burdette Birth Center, you get a wide variety of people there. Um, It does serve Rensselaer County, it serves Troy, but also serves neighboring counties as well. 55% 55% of people that birth at Burdett are receiving Medicaid. So this, you know, there's there's two points to this issue in that one is that if we close Burdett, we're taking away the only maternity care center in Rensselaer County and in neighboring counties. And two, you're taking, oh, so you're taking accessibility away from people that might not have a lot of resources. And the second piece is that you're taking away this very unique model of care that is actually meeting goals and numbers set forth by lots of other organizations like the world health organization um you know like unicef like the new york state department of health so it's kind of a a two two main topic prong there
0: well jessica you mentioned The accessibility issue. What does the landscape of services look like throughout the capital region? Because I have to imagine there are other hospitals, uh, but is there something about where they're located or the services they provide that make them an unsatisfactory replacement?
1: So you know, we we want to be clear that we we know that people can get good care at other hospitals. We're not saying our other area hospitals are not good at what they do. What but what we are saying is Burdette does it right. Burdette has um, the numbers to back that up. As far as accessibility goes, yes, there's real transportation issues. The Save Burdette Birth Center Coalition. Has done its own health equity impact assessment. That um, that we handed in on Friday. We submitted that to the New York State Department of Health, and a big part of our findings were that people will be very taxed in getting to Albany or getting to Niskayuna because those are the those are the options that people have in Rensselaer County and neighboring counties. Is just is is Albany. And it's Niskiuna or Saratoga, you know, which is out of the Capital District. So, um, you know, people that are already um, underserved that are already struggling, how will they get there? You know, how will they get to Albany? Um, and then, you know, one thing goes into the next. It's like, okay, then if they can get to Albany, the hospitals in Albany are taxed. You know, several hospitals in Albany are on diversion often because they are packed or they don't have the staffing. So, you know, there's there's these these issues are are all interrelated with one another, but accessibility is huge. You can't take the transportation issue or accessibility out of this equation of why Birdette should stay open.
0: Well, I want to turn to the options moving forward to keep the birth center open, but I also want to talk first about the reason it's closing. And Assemblymember St. Peter's Health Partners maintains that the birth center is a major loss for them, I think estimates are about $2 million annually, and that has resulted in this being an unsustainable business for them to operate. What's your sense of this financial situation? Does the rhetoric match the reality?
2: Well, I will say in the past it may have. Um, the truth of the matter is, birth centers, as a rule, are not a profit center. They are, in some aspects, the loss leader. They do have a cost, associated with it. And, Burdett, I'm not challenging the $2 million loss. However, at the same token, uh, to reverse that conversation, I'm challenging where things look for the future. Um, as you know, David, because you're in these hollowed halls, we did a first in a very long time 7% increase in all Medicaid procedures across the board for hospitals. Also, independent of that, Medicare. CMS, and this is a Chuck Schumer, Kristen Gillibrand, Paul Taco effort in our area, was able to do a 37-point swing increase in reimbursement for all Medicare services. Now, to be clear, obviously, not many 65-year-olds are delivering babies. However, we're looking at the totality of the finances of the institution. So you have a 7% increase on Medicaid across all their line of business there. And then this 37-point swing, which in the CEO's own words, brings an additional hundred million dollars in revenue to the St. Peter's community. So that's Troy and Albany, and it is their medical practices. That's a significant turn of events. And you know, honestly, what's disappointed me? And I've always I've worked with this organization for thirty plus years. I support it personally, financially, as have others. Never once does this conversation come up in the budget process. Not once. This was done as something that they just, my impression, walking away and looking at this as a healthcare professional and as a legislative official, they just don't want to be in the business of doing it. And what's sad is, as Jessica has appropriately pointed out, the the type of care provided in Troy is a regional, it's a capital regional benefit. This is not just people in Troy not being able to go two or three blocks. You know a lot of people in north and east, and also immediately west and south, that rely on this service. It's something people choose to do to have a safe birth experience. And in a city of Troy, to be to get specific, one out of four people don't have a car. We have a lot of young black and brown women who are childbearing, who are genuinely concerned about being able to deliver their baby safely. And quite honestly, there's been this trend without much explanation, that a lot of these deliveries are being automatically moved to Albany for cesareans, which by the way, are about a eight to $9,000 swing in revenue. Now I'm not saying that St. Peter's is just doing a C-section when they can. However, there is a concern from many that, wait a minute, what is going on here? Are we chasing revenue when we know, particularly in black and brown women, those, the, the maternal mortality rates are already unacceptable and above the average, and, and, and we're just going to continue to grow that issue? And, you know, I've met with Dr. Hanks and his leadership team. They've not said, at least to me, that they have a concern with the type of service over there but they just feel that this is the direction they want to move. And, you know, my response to that is, well, hospitals are afforded by federal and state law, tax-exempt status, to provide necessary and critical services to the community. I can't think of a more necessary and critical service to the growth of a community than the birth of a child. I just can't think of any other. And for a Catholic institution who boasts very vividly their mission to be moving in this direction. It it I'm 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 troubled. I'm just very troubled.
0: Well Assemblymember, member, you mentioned the funding that the state has invested into healthcare facilities. Are there other potential levers of power that the state can pull to ensure that the birth center continues to operate other than throwing money at the problem?
2: Well I, I do think, listen, we should be taking a look at the reimbursement rate for natural occurring deliveries. I I think that's an important aspect. And quite honestly, it's probably budget neutral because if if it's true that birth rates are declining, an increase in reimbursement, if it's been adequately underfunded, is worth consideration. However, at the same token, we have to look at the totality of the issue here. Hospitals just can't pick and choose what business they want to be into. Uh, We can't just be focusing only on the profit centers. And once again, I'm actually one of the few people in the legislature that's actually a provider. I know what's going on. And by the way, in the course of running your organization or running your business, I'll call it an organization because it's supposed to be a nonprofit. Sometimes you're just going to have to take it on the chin on certain things. And so once again, I go back to, is that a service that maybe we might want to take a chin on is delivery of a child and to do it in a safe and effective manner? Um, understanding that midwives can't do all. Right now, midwives do, what, Jessica, 50% of the catches. That's much higher than many other facilities in upstate New York, plain and simple. And as our region continues to diversify even more, we have more women coming from other countries, who, by the way, midwifery and midwife-delivered births are the norm, and caesareans are the exception, I think we need to be culturally sensitive to this discussion and i want to mention something else that's going on on a parallel track that i think is relevant in the legislature we have supported over the years and we had some tussles with the former uh, governor on this about midwife-led bird centers now they're not the be-all end-all and they will not be the ultimate solution but they are a part of that conversation and interesting enough, DOH did put the regulations out for comment about a month ago, of which myself and, and Amy Pollan and Dick Goffrey, the name from the past, have responded asking questions because the way DOH is putting this together, it's becoming more challenging to establish these midwife-led birth centers. New York State is one of 10 states in the country that does not have this as a norm. 10 states. So that's a lot of red conservative states that have midwife-led birth centers. But New York State is falling behind. And I think that's part of the conversation. We need to find ways to support that. Um, Quite honestly, I looked at the the 990 for St. Peter's for 2021. That's the latest I have. They're doing fine financially. And when you look at the RAND reports and you look at the other different reports that are out there, sure, everyone had a dip in 2020 with the pandemic. But they're sitting, their foundation's at $22 million as of twenty twenty-one, they generate over six million dollars in revenue and added another million and a half to to the bottom line. I don't think it's all flowery by any stretch of the imagination. They have money to burn, but I think when you look at the overall conversation, there's opportunity for St. Peter's Health Partners and Trinity, their corporate behemoth that has their foot in many other states throughout the country, to really reconsider. What are
0: our priorities? Well, well, Jessica, short of a change of heart by St. Peter's, what, if anything, would you like the state regulators to do or even the attorney general's office, which has some oversight over nonprofits?
1: Um, you know, right now we are we're very focused on Burdett staying open. You know, we we we're very focused on Burdett staying open and to find a plan for that to happen. Um, I do want to um, you know John said before about you know uh, people coming from other countries and those births. You know, were attended by midwives. Seventy percent of all births in in the world are attended by midwives and the countries that have the lowest maternity morbidity and mortality rates are those where midwifery is an integral part of their maternity care system so it's it's the, again the the numbers back up this back up this care and the the health equity assessment law, the health equity impact assessment law that went into effect is there for this purpose. It's there. It was, it was made. So hospitals cannot willy nilly open and close. The law that went into place on June 22nd was two days after St. Peter's filed their certificate of need for the closure of Burdett. So, you know, that's, that's, that's something to think about right there. And the the law requires facilities to determine if a project will, quote, improve access to hospital services and healthcare Health equity and reduction of health disparities, with particular reference to members of a medically underserved group in the applicant service area. So, so the the health, we have a law in place that's supposed to safeguard this. So we're hoping with that law, you know, St. Peter's did decide because they got their certificate of need um, handed in before the law took place. They did a voluntary health equity impact assessment and Save Burdette Birth Center Coalition, we did our own community-led health equity impact assessment. So we're hoping that the Department of Health sees both of these reports and really sees how closing Burdette will do nothing to to remedy any of these disparities, but will do everything to make these disparities even more um, harmful to the community.
2: Let's not confuse the fact that St. Peter's has said that they're going to do this voluntarily as being a charitable act of mercy. The truth of the matter is they realized that they just were trying to pull something that just was not going to meet the litmus test. Now, I've been around 23 years in public office. I've been a pharmacist for 35 years. I've never seen an issue that has ignited, ignited anger on both sides of the aisle, on both spectrums of politics and everybody else in the middle, whether you're poor or rich. Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, people are just mad. Their own board members are disappointed and very, very upset about it. So I think, to Jessica's point, that health equity study should be looked at as the law. The department really needs to take a very hard look at it because when you put all the pieces together, this puzzle, I don't see any reason why it should close, plain and simple. I really don't.
0: Well, finally, then, does the power to actually keep the facility open rest with the state, with the Department of Health? Can they literally force St. Peter's to keep the birth center open?
2: Well, the power is from two different perspectives. Yes, at the end of the day, the Commissioner of Health has to sign off on us. That being said, I still appeal to the Board of St. Peter's Health Partners. From my perspective, to put it simply, this is about a life and life situation, the life of the mother and the life of a new child if St. Peter's is true to their mission, they will do some soul searching, particularly in light of the windfall of hundreds of millions of dollars that they will see over the next several years as they continue to provide services in our
0: region. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have. I want to thank my guests, Jessica Hayek, a doula and organizer with the Save Burdette Birth Center Coalition. Thank you, Jessica.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And I also want to thank Assemblymember John McDonald, a Capital Region Democrat. Thank you, Assemblymember.
2: Thanks, David. We'll see you in the neighborhood. Is your business, agency, or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.